So, when I was 13, my friend who we would call Mary had a grandmother who ran a nail salon downtown. I grew up in a really, really small town in Alaska. When I was younger, it seemed like a really safe place. But as I got older, I realized just how corrupt and horrible it actually was. But at 13, I still wasn't totally aware of it. After school, Mary and I would always walk to her grandma's nail salon. It was in a building with a few other shops, and we would kind of just hang around and browse. There was a Thai restaurant that was our favorite, and we'd eat there a lot, and we're pretty good friends with the restaurant owners. After some months of the same routine, just hanging out every day caused me and Mary's family to become like family. Her grandmother, who we'll start calling Gretchen, had the idea of wanting to open a little coffee stand in there. The other shops were cookware stores, a clothes consignment shop, a game shop, and some other random ones. So we figured that it would be a nice business, and she wanted Mary and I to work in the coffee stand while she was in the nail salon. I partially believe it's just because she wanted us out of her hair. Anyways, we went and trained properly. But since we were 13, we were being paid under the table. We had it set up right in front of the Thai restaurant. After about a week of the coffee stand being up and running, this guy who looked like 18 to about 20 years old would get a small vanilla latte every day and sit in the mall and kind of just watch us work, but also browse around the game shop. So we just thought he must have just lived nearby and liked to come there every day. And maybe we hadn't noticed him before because he obviously wasn't coming to get his nails done. He honestly looked kind of dirty and like he didn't care that much. When the months got hotter, we started walking home instead of our mom driving us. There were a lot of kids, so I didn't notice very much if people were behind us or in front of me. One of the nights we closed up the shop a little bit late. It was around 9pm, which in Alaska is still fully sunny and I noticed that someone was walking behind me, kind of close. I stopped dead in my tracks and didn't hear anything. So I kept walking and I was sure I heard it this time. I turned around rather quickly, and there he was, the same guy from the mall, following me. I was 13 and shy, so I just kept walking and made a loop around and just walked to the mayor's office because the police station was too far. I called my dad from there because I felt much safer if he came to get me. This repeated in slightly different ways for about the next two weeks and eventually, I don't know how to this day, he found out where I lived. He would knock on the door, leave flowers, call our parents' phone, all kinds of crazy stuff. My dad finally helped me get a restraining order, but it took about a month to get anyone to take it seriously and to come see him at my workplace, as we had no idea what his name was. Once that was in effect, it stopped for only about one week, and then he started showing up again. He continued to stalk my home, and even hanging out by the fence of my school when school was back in session. Finally, I had enough. I moved in with my mom because she was, frankly, a better parent to me and taking it more seriously. She lived so far out that I couldn't walk anywhere and she had no electricity or running water, but I didn't care anymore. I felt much safer and so much more loved. I quit that job and I took the bus every day. Eventually, he just disappeared and I never heard about or saw him ever again.
So this happened about an hour or two ago, and I'm pretty freaked out. I'm a 24-year-old female, so I have a Wi-Fi-enabled baby monitor in my bedroom so I can watch my son when he's sleeping and in his bassinet while my husband and I are downstairs. I tend to be nude in my bedroom in the second story of my house as I don't have central air and it's summer in Wisconsin and today is currently over 80 degrees. I was laying in bed drinking a beer and watching TV when I noticed the light blinking on the baby monitor which was currently facing towards the bed as my son had been in a co-sleeper on the bed with my husband last night since I worked night shifts in the hospital. For our monitor, a light blinking on it means that someone is watching via website or app for the monitor. I jokingly sent a text to my husband, he is at work at this time, calling him a creeper and I was flipping off the camera and talking to it. But I found it odd that it took him several minutes to read my message. When he responded, I could say the cliche that my blood ran cold, but that would be embellishing. He said he hadn't opened the app in the camera in weeks and he definitely wasn't the one watching and advised me that I should unplug the camera, which I did. I don't know who was watching me or how they could have got the login information for the monitor, but creepy person watching me through the baby monitor. Let's never meet again. This is going to be short, and while I was present for this, I don't remember it as I was an infant. My grandmother on my dad's side, I use that term loosely because I haven't seen her since this took place, and she was a massive con artist. When my dad was a kid, she always had some kind of scam running. She actually bet one of her sons in a card game and lost him. I have blonde hair and blue eyes. I only had peach fuzz at birth. But I was clearly blonde. When this woman saw me, her first words were, a blue-eyed blonde. She'd be worth a lot in Mexico. My mom was shocked, to say the least. The woman played it off as if it was a joke, but my mom kept a close eye on her. When I was two months old, she offered to take my mom on vacation to Mexico, but only if she brought me. My mom turned her down and cut her out of our lives. My dad disappeared forever when I was one. So it wasn't hard for her to keep away. So grandma, let's never meet again. I went out drinking last night, which was sort of a rare occurrence. And it took me back to something that had happened to me a couple of years ago. My roommate and friend at the time loved to go out and drink, but she had a bad habit of not eating anything before drinking and she preferred drinks that were on the strong side, like Long Island iced teas, shots of whiskey, etc. One night we left the bar and she told me that she felt like she was gonna throw up. We walked a little ways from the main downtown area. She sat down on the sidewalk and leaned back. At that point I was ready to go home and I called a mutual friend so they could pick us up. While we were waiting, my friend was on the verge of passing out a guy riding his bike came up to us. He says, She doesn't look so good. I'll grab my car and take her home. And I said, No, it's fine. We have a friend coming to pick us up. He proceeded to say, I live just down the road. I'll just bike to my house and get my car and I'll be right back. Mind you, we had both never met this man before. 
After I told him we had a ride, I didn't understand why he kept insisting. I told him again, no, we're fine. Someone was on their way. And I'm going to get her some water from the gas station and she'll be fine. He grew impatient and kept saying something along the lines of, I'm a good guy. I'll just be right back. I can take her to my house for some water. I said no again and he didn't seem to like that. He kept insisting that he was a good person and he would take care of her and he would take her to his house and get her some water and all of that despite the fact that we already had someone on their way. My friend was being very nice to him but wasn't really paying attention. I have a feeling that she would have gone with him if I hadn't been there. I got really strange vibes from this guy. Even though it seemed like a nice gesture, something fought off. He just wouldn't let it go and continued to try to change my mind and I got incredibly annoyed by it and sternly raised my voice. I said we're fine, please leave. And then he waited there for a moment and stares at us, not wanting to leave. He eventually hops on his bike and quickly rides away. A few minutes later, my friend arrived. This happened a couple years ago. I don't like talking about it much. It just never seemed like a big deal to me as a kid. But the older I get, the more I think about it. And the more it haunts me. It was New Year's Eve 2011. And a couple of my friends and I were having a sleepover. My friend's neighborhood was relatively new, so there were still houses being built around them. We were going to stay up until midnight, but it was only 7 o'clock and we wanted something to do in the meantime. One of my friends had the idea of going to play hide and seek in one of the houses being built. We asked his mom if she was okay with it, and she gave us her phone to hold and told us to text my friend's dad in case anything happened. We took the phone, got our coats on, and headed outside. The house was about 100 yards away from the front porch, so it wasn't a far walk. We jogged across the street, and it was relatively windy out, and we really didn't want to stay out in the cold air. We decided to play in pairs, but if you're hiding, you had to stay with your teammate. I volunteered to be the seeker, so the two hiders headed into the house while me and the other seeker began to count. Once we hit 60, the game began. The house was dark and cold and the only source of light was the bright moon shining through every window and door. We were standing in an empty shell of someone's home. No inner walls had been put up yet, and there was no carpeting on the floors. The only thing inside was a dozen thick wood beams. I told my friend I'll take the first floor, and he could take the second floor, and he agreed. He walked past me and up the steps. I was now alone. I walked around the first floor with a smile on my face, braver than ever. I called out the names of my friends, trying to hold in my laughter. Since the house was so dark, you could only see about five feet in front of you. So I made sure to check every nook and cranny. That's when I found the basement. It was a dark and eerie hole in the floor that looked like it would swallow anything that walked into it. They couldn't have gone down there. I thought to myself, there's no way. But I had checked the entire first floor and nothing from my friend upstairs. So I sucked it up and began to walk down the steps. I slowly walked down, taking careful steps because it was nearly impossible to see anything. My footsteps echoed through the dark room and I was only able to see the tips of my fingers. I walked slowly, listening for any types of noise in the darkness. 
Then I heard something. The slow moving of feet. Hello? I said, followed by my friend's names. No response. For a quick second, I contemplated turning around, but I knew if this was them, they wouldn't say anything back. I called out their names again. No response. A smile came across my face. I had found them. Come on out, I said as I walked towards the source of the noise. I heard you guys move. I began to see a silhouette of something in the corner of the basement. It was a person, but only one. Didn't we say that all hiders had to stay together? I said to the person. They didn't move, just stayed crouched down in the corner, facing the wall. I began to walk closer, fully convinced that it was one of my friends. Hey, I found you. You're out, I said. At that moment, I just wanted to get out of the basement. I continued to walk closer. I still wasn't close enough to make out any body features. Whoever it was, was breathing rather loudly. Loud enough for me to hear it from a couple feet away. Me being the naive kid I was. Still thinking that it was one of my friends, just trying to scare me. I smiled. I didn't know what else to do. But I didn't want to take another step closer. That's when the breathing was overpowered by laughter and loud footsteps upstairs. I found you, I heard through the ceiling. Quickly turned around and ran back upstairs to see who was found, hoping that whoever was in the basement with me would follow. I waited on the first floor, and I heard them coming downstairs. Got them both, my friend said as he came into my view. I stood there with a confused look on my face. How'd you get both of them, I thought to myself. But to my surprise, Here comes both the hiders, walking from upstairs. My heart dropped. I felt the blood rush out of my face and my legs go weak. I slowly turn around and stumble towards the front door without saying a word. Where are you going? They asked. I couldn't open my mouth to speak. There was only one thought going through my head at this time. Who was in the basement with me? I was only able to utter the words. There's someone in the basement. As I made it to the front door, slowly turned the knob and slipped outside and began running back up to my friend's house. I wanted to get as far away from the house as possible. I began to feel tears welling up in my eyes. I made it to the front porch and collapsed, barely able to catch my breath because I was so hysterical. I laid there for what felt like ages when I heard my friends come up from behind me. I don't even remember what they were saying. All I could think about was the person in the basement. After I calmed down, I told them what happened and they all seemed as freaked out as I was. The fact that I had talked directly to the person for so long is what scared me so much. We decided not to tell his parents about this, since we figured that they wouldn't believe us. I didn't sleep well for about a week after that, and I still have nightmares about it sometimes. A few months after that night, the house was finished, and the family moved in, and I never heard any complaints about a squatter or anything. So to the person in the basement, let's not meet again. This all happened when I was about 16. I was in high school and working at my first part-time job at a fast food restaurant. It was located off a highway and wasn't uncommon to get a lot of crazy customers. I arrived at work one day and was surprised to see that my schedule that week had changed giving me a graveyard shift on Friday night. The thought of being at this place overnight gave me the creeps, and I thought my manager was insane by making the youngest employee take that night shift. But it wasn't a school night, 
and I didn't want to seem like a baby, so I just accepted it. When the night came, it was just me and another coworker who was a larger man and was very friendly, so it made me feel safe and comfortable with him there. Before leaving, my manager gave me a rundown on how the night was supposed to go. At 11 o'clock, I was to lock the doors, and we would only be taking drive through orders. But on this particular night, just my luck, one of the main door had been broken and wouldn't lock properly. If anyone comes in, just tell them they can't be in the lobby and they have to order through the drive through After these words of wisdom, my manager went home to the comfort of his bed and I started my long night. Being slightly paranoid and not used to the new shift, every noise I heard outside made me jump. A few times, some customers came in through the unlocked door, but quickly and politely left after being asked to go through the drive through When it reached 1am in the morning, I was in the back of the store organizing boxes when I heard the slam of the heavy door close. I ran to the front to tell whoever it was that they needed to leave, but I saw no one. I walked into the lobby and looked all around but didn't see anyone. Did you hear someone come in? I asked my co-worker as he also came to investigate. Maybe they left. I'll check the bathroom to be safe, he said as he opened the men's bathroom. They quickly came out. Nope, no one in here. You should go check the girl's bathroom. I agreed and opened the door to the woman's bathroom. At first I didn't see anything, so I called out, Anyone in here? No response. To double check, I needed to take a few steps into the bathroom, and at this time I was able to see some feet behind the stall. The stall door was wide open, and as I got closer, I was able to see inside. My stomach instantly sank. I caught the eye of a woman with long tangled brown hair crouched next to the toilet with a needle in her arm. She jumped up out of surprise and ripped the needle out of her arm squirting blood all over the floor. She raised the needle over her head and started to move towards me. I let out a scream and ran out as fast as I could past my co-worker. I whooped around just in time to see her running out the front door. My heart was racing and I was scared to death and ended up going home right after. I quit the next day. So lady shooting up in the bathroom at 1am, let's not meet again. The story I'm about to share with you happened almost 10 years ago. At the time I was 17 years old, and like most teenagers my age, I was content to lock myself away in my room with my laptop and headphones. In the fall of that year, my parents went up north for the weekend. We live in Michigan, and the Upper Peninsula is famous for its scenery that time of year. I was left with the house to myself for the entirety of the weekend, and thought nothing of it. I enjoyed my privacy, and didn't mind being alone. Let me tell you about my house and where we lived. Our house is very old, and a modest dwelling two floors and a basement. All the bedrooms are on the first floor since the second floor is an unfinished attic. The house itself is about eight miles from the nearest town. The backyard is pretty large with an even larger cornfield stretching out for acres and acres separating the property from the lake on the other side of the trees. The cornfield stretches partially around the house creating a wall between our house and our neighbors to the east. It wasn't isolated by any means. There are five houses very near, 
one on each side and three across the street. A local hunter, a farmer, a retired couple, a construction worker, and the local preacher were the people I called neighbors. It's a quiet road, little traffic and only the occasional coyote howl to disrupt the night. A nice calm place to live. It was day two of my weekend alone. It was a chilly evening, so I shut my window and locked it before I huddled up on my bed with my laptop. I've always been a big fan of urban legends, especially legends that have some truth woven into the tale. Truth always makes a good story better and makes a scary story all the more frightening. That night I had no idea that I was about to take part in my own scary tale. While zoning out on my laptop, watching horror videos and reading stories online, I heard an odd noise over my headphones. I pulled one speaker away from my ear and focused on the sound. The sound was coming from my window. My bedroom is a corner bedroom and as a result, I have two windows. One window facing my neighbor to the west and the second window faced the backyard. It was the second window that had the strange noise. At first, I thought leaves and loose branches were getting blown against the screen since it was fall and the weather in Michigan can get pretty harsh and unpredictable. But my reasoning didn't quite fit with the sound. It wasn't a banging or rattling. It was like metal wires snapping. I removed my headphones and used my laptop screen as a light to see where I was walking without putting a glare on the window's glass. The curtains and blinds beneath were drawn, preventing anything outside from being able to see inside. I was nervous about looking outside. I was alone, and I had no idea what was going on. I hugged my wall as I slipped my fingers under the curtains, and slowly, carefully, pulled down one of the blinds so I could look outside. There, standing in the darkness right outside my window, was a person holding a knife. My heart skipped a beat as my blood ran cold. My instincts told me not to make a sound and to stay out of sight. I slid down my wall and crawled on my hands and knees to my cell phone sitting on the small table next to my bed. I called 911 and whispered everything to the person on the other line. I told them someone was outside my window and that they had a knife and that I was alone. The operator stayed on the line with me and kept reassuring me that the police were on their way and that's when I heard my screen start to be sliced. I kept telling her I wanted to run, but she insisted that I stayed put and didn't make a sound. Suddenly, the snapping sound of the screen wires stopped. I listened in fear when I heard a new sound. The knife was now digging at the wooden frame of the window, and the man was desperately trying to pry it open from the outside. The motion light in the backyard suddenly flashed on just seconds before the red and blue lights of the arriving police car shone through my other window. I listened carefully and heard someone running from the car to the backyard. 
I could also hear their radio clicking on and off as they checked the area. A loud knock on the front door made me jump. I heard a man call out for me, identifying himself as a cop. Still scared, I opened my bedroom door and crept down the hall. I peeked into the living room and didn't see anything. The knocking persisted, and again, the cop identified himself. I peeked through the window and saw him standing there, his eyes still checking the yard. I flung open the door and almost pulled the cop inside, just so happy to see someone else. He asked if I was okay and if I could give a description of the man I saw. I couldn't. He was wearing all black and had a hood pulled up which shrouded his face. All I could do was describe the large hunting knife that he used to slice my screen. His partner joined him on the front porch and told us that he didn't see anyone in the area. I kept insisting on what I saw, and they of course believed me, since the patrolling cop saw the damage to my screen. The cops did a second sweep of the property and made sure every single window was secured and that the doors were locked and the garage was secure. Before leaving, the cops told me they'd keep a patrol car in the area, but they were confident that whoever I saw wouldn't be back. They just figured that it was some teenager who was trying to break in through my window and got scared when he saw the police car arrive. I thanked them and proceeded to double-check the locks for myself. I wanted to call my mom, but I knew my parents were already on their way home and would be back in the morning. Unable to go back into my room, I chose to sleep on the couch in the living room and tell my parents as soon as they walked in the front door. About an hour later, after I was finally able to relax and started to drift off to sleep on the couch, I heard a loud bang against my back door. I sat straight up and looked through the kitchen and the back mudroom that leads to the back door. Bang. This time I knew I was in danger. I grabbed my cell phone and dialed 911 again. This time, I ran into the kitchen and grabbed a large knife from the butcher's block and huddled on the floor against the counter in the cabinets. I pressed the phone to my ear as the operator, a man this time, continued to talk to me so I didn't feel alone. Bang! I gripped the knife tighter and began mentally trying to psych myself up. If this man managed to get inside, would I be able to defend myself? He had a knife. Maybe that's why I grabbed one too. But I didn't know anything about him. How tall was he? How strong was he? Did I even stand a chance? Bang! I heard the wood on the doorframe crack. The old door was locked on by a chain. One more hard kick could surely break the door down, and then... I didn't want to think about it. I prepared for the final bang, for the door to give in and for that man to attack me. When I heard a voice yelling over the banging noise, get on the ground, drop the knife. Oh, thank God, I said out loud. The cops are still here. The operator on the line, who had been speaking to me throughout this entire ordeal, continued to try and keep me calm. I listened to the cop order the man to drop the knife over and over again. 
but I just knew that the crazy bastard wasn't listening. Then, another bang. But it wasn't from someone kicking the back door. It was from someone firing a gun. It was silent, and time seemed to stand still. A gentle knock at the front door drew my attention. The same cop as before was once again identifying himself. I told the operator a cop was at the door and hung up the phone. I opened the front door, the knife still in my hand. The cop saw it and very calmly suggested that I put it down. My hand was gripping the knife so tightly that my knuckles were white and my fingers were cramped. When I dropped the knife, the cop escorted me from the front door to his car, which was parked in the side yard. Under the motion lights of the backyard, I could see his partner standing over the body of the man in black. I could see his knife lying on the ground, just inches from his hand, and even from a distance, I could see there was blood on the blade. The man himself looked like he had been dead for weeks. His hood had fallen from his face, revealing it to the night. He was impossibly pale white. His skin was unnaturally aged, with heavy wrinkles and lots of discoloration. His hair was long, stringy, and blonde. His eyes, still open, were sunken into his skull. I was taken to the police station to deliver a statement and to ensure there was no other attackers on my property. When I told everything I knew to the interviewing cop, another cop walked into the room with a file in his hands. He whispered something to the first cop and handed him the file. I asked the cop if they knew who the man was, and he nodded. I asked to know who he was and what he wanted. At first, the cop didn't want to tell me, but I insisted. I managed to coax the cop into telling me, and a part of me wishes I hadn't. The man was a chronic junkie who abused any and all drugs he could get his hands on. He was also a violent schizophrenic with bipolar disorder. He used to live in the area until he was finally locked up in a mental hospital about 20 years prior. The act that got him locked away all those years ago was a result of his attempt to burn down a church, declaring that he was the true son of God and that all religious figures were false prophets and tools of Satan. The cops figured that he was trying to break into my house because he thought it was where the preacher lived. He had the wrong house and probably would have killed me anyway if he had gotten inside. After a moment of letting this sink in, I asked why the cops didn't see him the first time I called. His answer sent shivers up my spine. And now, I never look at my backyard the same. He told me that the man had hidden in the cornfield the first time and was watching the house from between the rows. He had never left. He was there, watching the house and waiting for the police to leave. After looking at his picture, I could tell that he was absolutely crazy and I'm very glad that he won't be around anymore. This story takes place at a mall where the establishment just built a cute rubber playground. 
At the time, I was six years old and was simply enjoying playing at the area as my family was shopping only a few feet away. Then came a wrinkly-looking tanned man with a long beard, skinny and balding. He approached a small Latino boy and began talking to him about cool toys he had in his van. Now, at this time, I knew that stranger danger was a thing, but to my shame, I only stood there, shocked that this was happening. More so when this boy was agreeing to follow him where he kept the toys. I remember thinking, oh my god, is this boy really going with this man? Doesn't he know what stranger danger is? If that didn't make things worse, the boy was so excited that he went ahead to invite his brother, around the same age as I am, and they went off together. I honestly didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know what more to do other than to run off into this giant mall after them and get lost? I don't know. I decided I would tell my mom what was going on, but would she even believe me? Where were their parents? As I stood there, watching them walk off together in the distance, so did the opportunity. I stopped playing and walked into the store where my mom was and told her in my shy voice what happened. I was struggling to find the words, but I told her along the lines of, Hey mommy, I saw something strange happen. I saw an ugly old man walk off with two boys, like the kind of men you warned me about on the news. She just looked at me and smiled, not seeming to entirely understand I guess what I was saying. I pressed the issue more though, but she only responded, don't worry, mommy is almost done shopping for shoes. She proceeded to shower me with compliments in the kind of tone moms reserve for when they playfully talk to babies, but this only made me more distressed. I could feel the time to act slipping away. I remember telling her, I'm serious, there was a creepy man over there talking to children. I pointed at the direction where they once stood. I remember watching her face attentively, saw a flicker of understanding but she brushed it off as doubt settled in. That was the end of that encounter. A few days later I was watching the news with my mom and I saw the same boys. I felt placed on the spotlight again on what to do, but I knew my mom would never take me seriously. I was only six, and my family were illegals who wouldn't want to be involved with this kind of stuff anyway. I asked my mom what she thought about those two boys, but she had no opinion because she wasn't paying attention to the TV anyway. I often look back with regret of what I could have done. Parents may teach their kids what to do in these incidents, but all I could do was be a witness. I was living in a downtown, in a posh area that had nice buildings that had a good restaurant next door. The restaurant and the apartment building opened at the same time, so it automatically sort of became where everyone in the building went. And I worked across the street, so it was also where my firm would have client meetings and happy hours. I went in one night alone near closing time, which I had done in the past, and sat at the bar. I had been out that evening to happy hour, but that had been several hours before, and I had been home since then. I ordered a steak dinner and a glass of wine, my favorite. I was familiar with the bartender because of the happy hours and one specific purse date where the guy I was meeting, who was from Poland, recognized the bartender's accent as Serbian. They had some 
geopolitical banter while we had drinks and the bartender seemed like an okay guy at the time. Mid-twenties, average, nondescript. On this night, I'm sure we had some small talk while he worked, but I don't think I actually engaged all that much with him. I didn't even know his name. Anyway, halfway through my meal, I got ridiculously tired. Like, barely keep your eyes open tired. I asked for a box for my meal. He took a while getting it, but when he presented it, he told me he was walking me home. I said no thanks, but he insisted three more times, which at that point, I probably could have used help walking, but was fully annoyed at being told someone was going to be walking me home. Not only was I clear he was not welcome to do that, I actually had a habit of never letting a guy walk me to my door. I don't like randos to know where I live, and I once had an acquaintance try to push in after, you know, a cocktail party once. So yeah, there was no way this was going to happen, no matter what. I remember I got loud with my final no, and I took a few more sips of wine. Hey, I paid 20 bucks for that glass and I was not going to waste it. As I stood to leave, he seemed a little taken aback. He snatched at my glass and said he was coming with me, so I remember that I simply left before he could do or say anything else. I made my way to the next door to where my apartment was and was going into the elevator. I could hardly walk. I felt beyond drunk. Even though I had barely finished half of my glass of wine, when I made it to the 8th floor, I could barely stand. I literally crawled from the elevator down my very long hallway, around the corner and almost to my door. When I got to within feet of my door, my legs had stopped working. I could barely climb out the door to insert the key, but somehow I managed. I dragged myself over to the threshold. I woke up the next day slumped up against my door and I had wet myself. I have never lost control of my body, no matter how drunken I've ever got. And I've definitely never slept on my floor where I dropped. It was crazy. I had a hangover from hell, and I was trying to figure out all day what had happened. I told myself that since I had been a happy hour earlier, maybe I was drunk and didn't know it when I went for my late meal. But I didn't remember feeling drunk when I was there, and I hadn't really eaten until the steak and potatoes I had ordered. I kept searching for a reason. It was a couple of days later I remembered how overly familiar the bartender had been in trying to walk me home. It chilled me that what could have happened if that guy had walked me home. I had no proof he had done anything, but somehow I just knew. I felt stupid that I had gone back out that night when I could have eaten at home, and I felt stupid for not watching him more closely, even though I had been alone at the bar. I felt stupid for going alone at the bar too, when I could have eaten at a table but I just couldn't be sure enough of anything to report it anywhere. I just kind of hid for a couple of months, refusing to walk by the window in front of the bar of the restaurant and generally avoiding the corner altogether. It was at least two months before I could go back in that restaurant and even then it was only for work. I was relieved when I didn't see him at the bar, but I had to ask that he, if he was coming later or something just so I could miss him. When I asked where he was, the person behind the bar said really flatly, Oh, him? Yeah, he's gone. We had to let him go. I remember searching the bartender's face for a clue and picked up on some mild disgust. So I said good or something, and then he started to talk about how he thought it was better for everything. 